0: Most Sundays you watch me come up here and I will take just a minute and place my cell phone down in here. What you may not notice is that I start a timer. You're looking at yourself like I had no idea he was aware of time. (laughs) The clock, the timer counts down. Someone once said, what if we put a clock in the auditorium? I said, oh, no, no. Now, they are fully aware of what time it is, and I'm fully aware by watching you that you know what time it is, and I know every week that my time is running out. Tonight at seven o'clock, the countdown begins again. is every week, and no matter what happens, my clock is counting down. No matter the best week, the worst week, a busy week, a calm week, i got to have two sermons ready no matter what. If I don't have them ready, you probably, you know, things would be short and you'd be really pleased about that. But we have to understand that our clock is counting down. In a broader sense, you all are running out of time. And as we think about this in our series called Margin... It occurs to me that we all have, even though you may not get up and preach twice a week, even though you may not do the thing that I do, we all have the same fundamental problem. And that's this. Our time is running out. We are all little by little in the process of vanishing. In a hundred years, from this side of the auditorium to that side, none of us will be here. All of us will still exist, but not in this world. It's more evident the older you get. I just recently celebrated my 40th birthday. And I realized that by the law of averages, I'm about at the halfway point. The scripture says that a man's years are 80, 90 if he has the strength. Running out of time. For you all, you have a very unreal sense of time. Because you think you have so much. And generally speaking, that's probably true. But let me warn you. You are in the same position as all of them. You're running out of time. I've done a a very sad funeral for a young lady about your age. Ran out of time far too soon. Death is not a respecter of persons or age or what year you were born in. Time is running out. Turn to the book of James, if you will. James chapter 4. This section of scripture that is not inspired by the Holy Spirit titles this section, Boasting About Tomorrow. Starting verse 13, James writes this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I love that visual that James gives us of being a mist. I, I don't know how well you can see this or how well this will show up on camera. But James says that your life is like that. That you can see it for a little while. You can track it for a little bit. And then just somehow, almost magically, it disappears. I was at my grandparents' farm But my grandparents had passed away. This was after my grandmother passed away, and they were letting all the children and the grandkids come in and take any mementos that they wanted before they sold it all at auction. We all went through and we got the things that reminded us of grandma and grandpa, and we were looking through all the things that they were going to go through for the auction. And there was crates of pictures and photo albums that my grandmother had put together of people that I do not know. Oh, I'm sure we were related. I'm sure they were in the family tree somewhere. But I didn't know them. Not by face, not by name. You see, they were a mist. Here for a little while, and then vanishes. You understand that That someday, the same will be true for you. Oh, it'll be different. There won't be trays of of pictures. Someone will be scrolling through old Instagrams, and they'll say, what's up with that filter? Who's this? Our lives are a mist. You may have heard the phrase, well, I'm just killing time. But the reality is that time is killing you. And they were running out of time. Watches, I think, although they're designed to run forward, would be better suited if they ran backwards. If only we knew how much time, how many days, how many hours we had left. Maybe we'd live life with more purpose. You see, time, of course, is finite. There's a limited amount of it. We just don't know exactly how much less we have. All we know is that every day we have less than we had the day before. We, all of us, whatever age, whatever stage you're in, have less time now than you have ever had. So what do we do with this? As we talk about margin, and we talk about margin in our moments... I give you four questions to consider this morning. The first is, am I living wisely? Because we can't know how much time we're given. We have to spend the time that we're given in a way that's useful and productive. Now, I know that time isn't exactly like currency. I, I do understand that. But it's the closest thing that we can relate to. So let me use this illustration I have in my hand 12 21 22 23 24 I have a little bit more than that no, I think I have 24 If if each of these dollars represented a single hour of my day I get to choose how I spend each of those hours. Well, kind of, right? Because tomorrow, on Monday, from, I would guess, around 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., somewhere in there, more or less, you will have spent eight hours, and you have 16 left. And my guess is that you will probably, unless you're retired, you probably go to school or work and spend eight hours. And so you're left with way more than eight, but visual is still holds true. You're left with a limited amount of time. Really, just a third of the actual hours that you have are left to use as you see fit. How will you use those? How will you use the eight remaining hours of the day? Some of you don't have the option. You're going to have to do homework and school projects. Some of you have to work overtime, and you're going to spend a few dollars here or there. Some of you are going to watch a little TV, spend a little time on social media, binge on some Netflix, and all of a sudden you're going to go through an entire day, and it's gone. The problem is we don't realize any sense of urgency with how we spend our day because every single day we get 24 more dollars or so we think. But there's going to come a day and only God knows when it is. When you'll wake up and you won't have a full day's worth. And maybe you'll see it coming and maybe you won't. So you understand that if we if we think about it like that, if we think about how to spend our time wisely, we will do better. We'll be better stewards of the life that God has given us. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, Paul writes there to the church at Ephesus, and he, he tells them very clearly to be careful. To think About how you live. This is Ephesians chapter 5. I'm looking at verse 15. Be very careful then. How you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. People understand that, wise people understand at least, that your most limited commodity is not money or closet space or stuff. Your most limited commodity is your time. Because each day you have less and less, and you've got to choose how you're going to spend it. You you can always get more money. You can always maybe get more closet space. You can always get more stuff, but you can't get Any more time. The psalmist says that all of your days are allotted for you before one of them comes to pass. So how are you using your time? There's an adage that goes, when you're young, you spend all your time to get a little more money. But when you're old, you'll spend all your money to get a little more time. May we use our time wisely now. May we make the most of every opportunity. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 90, verse 12. The psalmist there writes a great, great piece of wisdom from God himself. Teach us, verse 12 of Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Numbering anything reminds us that there's a limit to it. That, that there's a finite amount to it. And so we've got to make the most of our moments. You might say that wise people must make the most of their missed may we use our moments, every single one that we've got, in a way that honors the Lord and His purposes for His kingdom because we don't have much time left. You see, I reminded you that You've got 24. Maybe in reality you only have about 7 or 8 each day. This is why, for those of you parents who sent off a freshman to college this year, and you're thinking, where did the time go? Because in your mind, that 18-year-old is in reality only about 6. That's how they see you. Because two-thirds of that time is already gone to other things. It goes by so quickly and so fast, that unless we're wise, we'll waste it. And God forbid that we get to the end of our life and look back and say, oh, I wasted it. I wasted it. So this morning, I want to give you uh, sort of two guiding questions on how we go about living wisely. The, The first guiding question is this, am I ready for when my time runs out, are, are you ready for when your time? Well, I already said in a hundred years, all of us will face that day when your time runs out. If you care to follow along in scripture, as I think you would be blessed if you do. Hebrews chapter nine says this very clearly. Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty seven. Just as man is destined to die once And after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, the purpose of redemption is not to redeem all things and all people. That's not going to happen. The scripture says it's going to bring salvation to those who are waiting on him. So are you ready for these two moments that the writer of Hebrews talks about? Are you ready for that moment when you will die as your your heart beats right now? But there's coming a day when your heart will stop. You are taking in breaths right now that you have not been conscious of until I brought your attention to it. But someday you're going to stop breathing for the last time. And when you stop breathing for the last time, when your heart stops beating for the last time, you will enter into the finality of eternity. And God forbid I don't preach to you in a sermon and tell you if you are not ready for that moment, get ready now. Because you're running out of time. If, and you say, "Well, how do I do that? How do I get ready? Do I have to do enough good things? Do I have to do, make a list and do all these?" No, the whole year is the answer to that. The answer to that is grace. Well, how do I receive God's grace? Some people say, "Well, all you need to do is is pray this prayer." If you'll repeat after me, just pray this prayer. But you'll never find that prayer in the pages of Scripture. Some people say you need to invite Jesus into your heart, but the Scripture says nothing. Nothing. Jesus said nothing about inviting him into your heart. What he said was to follow me. To obey me. If you want to be in Christ, if you want the grace of God available only through Jesus Christ, it's very simple. Jesus himself said it. You must believe and be baptized. And and, and when you do that, however God works that out, you are in Christ given the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't done that, you can I make it any more clear? If you have not believed and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then you are not in Christ. And if you are not in Christ, then you are not ready. And I beg that you get ready because you're coming to a day when you'll be out of time. There will be no changing in that moment for all the tears, for all the begging, for all the pleading. It doesn't matter how many times you went to church. It doesn't matter that your grandmother went to this or that church. It doesn't matter all the good things you think you did. If you are not in Christ, you're not ready for eternity. And I beg you to get ready because you're running out of time. The second guiding question then after you are in Christ then is how then do we live? How then do we live ourselves, turn to Second Peter? Chapter three. This is we're told this, verse eight of Second Peter, chapter three. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. with the day — I'm sorry, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to come to to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Oh, I know there are some well-meaning people that will pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I do get that. I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus comes. But do you know why the Lord tarries? Because he's patient. Because he's waiting not on you. But on your friend, on your neighbor, on your family. Maybe he's waiting on you to share the good news of Jesus with them. He's waiting because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But the day of the Lord will come. There will be a day when... When God does not wait any longer. It will come like a thief. The, the heavens will be dis- disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This world is not our home. It's going to be very expensive and very beautiful kindling. But it's going to be a terrifying and scary moment for those who are not ready. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? Look what he says. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the true home of righteousness. Not this world, but the world to come. So what's the best use of your time to live holy and godly lives? And I'll add one more, to do what is good. Turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. I'm sorry, yeah, verse 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 6, 9 and 10. Paul writes to the church at Galatia, and he says very clearly in the section titled, Doing Good to All, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are in the family of believers. Have you been wise in the use of your remaining time? You were baptized years ago. Have you been living a holy and godly life? Have you been... Doing good to all people, especially to those of the household of faith. Well, I don't know what the week is that lies ahead, but just just ask, take take an honest assessment of the week that you just completed. Look back for just a moment. Close your eyes. Some of you are already there. Thank you. Think back one week. Ask yourself, did you serve anyone this week besides yourself? Did you help a friend, a neighbor, a stranger? Were you a blessing to your family members, to a spouse, to a child? Or did you just treat them like you always treat them? Did you serve in the church? Did you work? Did you help? Did you encourage? Did you build up? Did you edify? Did you magnify? You can open your eyes now. The answer is up to you. Whether or not you're going to do good and to live holy. And Godly lives Christ followers Use the rest of your time that you have left to live holy and godly lives Preparing for the final day when we're going to leave this world and go to the world to come And do as much good as you can That's what Jesus did. He went around doing good Look for opportunities. God's going to give you opportunities this week, but he will not force you to take them My question is Will you make the best use of the time that you're given? Here are three practical suggestions. If you're not too good at time management, let me give you three. Number one, begin earlier. When you wake up, I don't know what time you start your day. Let's say that you start at 630. Maybe you start earlier or later, but pick 630 is the day you normally get up. Set your alarm for 20 or 30 minutes earlier than normal. Cuz what happens usually with me, I give my routine, I get up, you know, hit the alarm for the fourth time, and I get up and I get out of bed and I'm rush 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 around to do, to do the next thing that I got to get done and to the next place I got to be, to the next thing I got to do. And it's only on the days when I'm up a little bit earlier, when I give myself a little bit of margin, to be with God, to focus on God, to be in the presence of the Lord and think about not my purposes, but his purposes. That I really do feel like I'm ahead of the day. Your day has plans for you. People have plans for you. The only way to beat that is just get up a little bit earlier. Now, I realize we get frustrated with this because some people are so good at it, you know, um, I was had a minister's meeting one time, and we were talking about the subject of prayer. And they, they were two or three of those guys were like, yeah, I usually am in, in prayer three or four hours before my day gets started. And it came to me, and I was like, you win. <laughs> you are holier than me. I, I'm, I, I'm not. It's these people that set these super examples that discourage us, and we go, I could never do that. Clayton McCullough is up like every day at three in the morning. I mean, he's, he's up early and he's praying and he's memorizing scripture and he's working out. He's done more by the time you get up than you'll do all week. I love Clayton for that. I, I called him one day at like five in the morning because I was thinking about and praying about something. And unfortunately, I woke up Tammy. <laughs> yeah, I'll get him. Don't. I want you all to aspire to be a Clayton, okay? Because he's an amazing guy. He truly is. He's not insincere at all. He wants to be with the Lord. He's growing in the Lord. And the more he grows in the Lord, the more time he wants to be in the Lord, okay? But if you're not where Clayton is, don't get discouraged. Start with 15 minutes. Begin that time with the Lord and give it to him and let him direct your steps instead of you directing your steps. Number two. Build some margin into your day. Build some margin for mission. What I mean by that is this. This week, you have a series of appointments and things you have to do and people you have to meet, places you have to go. And those are probably set at certain times. You have to go to the doctor o'clock at Tuesday at 2 o'clock. If it's at all possible, why don't you try showing up to the doctor's office at 1.30 you say, what am I going to do with all that time? Well, you're going to download the podcast of this sermon, listen to it, and go, man, that was good. No, you're going to have 30 minutes where the Lord can use you. Instead of just rushing into 205 and begging the receptionist to let you in, please let you in, because you didn't you have to reschedule this appointment. You really need to get in, rush in to see the doctor, and you rush right out. You have no margin. Give yourself a little bit of margin. Plan some margin into your day. Look at the appointments you have, and just say, I'm going to be there 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier talking with jonathan he and i had coffee this earlier this week and he was telling me that you know their sense of time is much different than ours right and so when he goes to meet somebody he always has a book with him because he knows they might be late and so he's building margin into his day so that he can be on mission now what could you do at that time you could read your bible you could pray. You could enter into a conversation with a woman who's crying in the receptionist at your doctor's office because she just received a very bad diagnosis. And you could say, hey, can I pray with you? You see, when you've got margin, you've got the opportunity to be on mission. But if you're rushed and hurried and distracted and you have, you're have you just so frustrated with your own life, you have no margin. It's unlikely you'll be on mission. So build a little margin into your life. And finally, be present wherever you are. Be Present, and, and it's I have this love, hate relationship with technology because I can do everything here. But it's challenging because this can distract me from this this week. Make a little more eye contact. Take the opportunity to be present with people instead of just in the same room with people. What do we do? To help with that. I've got a a challenge that we're going to start here in September. Now, September is not until Saturday, but I'm challenging. I know that's the way I feel about this, too. (laughs) I want to challenge the Northside family to spend September doing what I call a digital detox. Some of you are like, hallelujah, a challenge I can do. I'm not even on social media. Great. We can learn from you. What the challenge is, is to live a more present life, a less distracted life. Now, I'm telling you about this today because September doesn't happen until later this week. So you've got three, four, five days to, to get all the social media that you need that you feel like you can't live without. And you say, I know I'm not addicted. I'm not addicted. I can, get, I can quit Facebook anytime I want. I can quit Twitter anytime I want. I don't know about Instagram. I do Okay, if, you, if you're not addicted, then join me in quitting. Starting September 1st, the last thing I want you to share on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram is this image It's going to be on the Northside Church social media sites. Because we're doing it with you. We're not going to put Facebook announcements. We're not going to put videos out there. We're not going to put anything. We're going to digital detox for the month. And we just want you to share that image so that all of your 17,000 followers No, now this is not a judgment on those of you who are on social media. I'm right there with you. And I'm just saying, can we just take for a second and say social media is a good thing, but it can also be a dangerous thing? You say, what do I do without social media? How about this is a novel idea. Try being social. Crazy. This method of grace is giving you your people And your presence with those people. Um, I asked. There was a a North Sider, not going to share their name, but they recently just not only not just for a month, they just completely deleted all their social media. And I was talking to them and I said, Well, tell me how that how's that going? And they said, Let me I'm going to write up something for you, because it's it's been life changing. And here's what they said. Going off of social media has given me two big things. Number one, freedom from emotional bondage. Facebook used to hijack my day and put up a block between me and the spirit. I couldn't live by his wisdom because my brain was occupied with comparison, what other people were doing, with hurt feelings, why I wasn't invited along, with other people's hurt feelings, with irritation, with judgmentalness, with politics. Even way after I set my phone down. But now that I'm off of social media, my mind is quiet and I can now listen to God. The second thing I gained was time. I have my life back. Now, I didn't sit down for, so, for hours on social media, but 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there was actually a ton of time. I'm now keeping up better with the needs of my family. And other people. I have more time for other people, so I all, and also for the things that I actually enjoy doing. The extra time has made me a happier person and a more effective tool for Jesus and His kingdom. I've also noticed, noticed that a personal text message or even a phone call allows for a much deeper connection than a like, a comment, or a share. I really feel like I need, like I, I'm feeding fewer relationships, but I am feeding the ones that need it most. Overall, I am completely liberated, and bondage has been cut. Now, I'm not asking you to give it up forever, as this person did. But I think you'll find it more a blessing than you realize. So you've got five days. On September 1st, we're going to put this post. We hope you'll share it. And then what I want you to do is very simply delete Twitter, delete Facebook, delete Instagram, delete Snapchat, delete it all. Just, and you can go back to it. You know you can. Slavery is always going to give you the opportunity. But just just jump out. Just jump out of the social media pool for a month. And say, I know you got, some of you some of them all down here are like visibly shaking. I can't. It's crazy. Why? Because you're running out of time. And speaking of that, I've run out of time. So I want to finish with this last message. This is a blog post by a gentleman I don't know, but I thought it was poignant to today's topic. On the day I die. On the day I die, a lot will happen. A lot will change. The world will be busy. On the day I die, all the important appointments I made will be left unattended. On the day I die, the many plans I had yet to complete will remain forever undone. The calendar that ruled so many of my days will now be irrelevant. On the day I die, all the material things I so chased and guarded and treasured will be left to the hands of others to care for or to discard. The words of my critics, which so burden me, will cease to sting anymore. They will be unable to touch. The arguments I believed I'd won here will not serve me or bring me any satisfaction or solace there. All my noisy incoming notifications and texts and calls will go unanswered. Their great urgency quieted. My many nagging regrets will all be resigned to the past where they should have always been anyway. Every superficial worry about my body that I ever labored over, about my waistline or my hairline or my frown lines will fade away. My carefully crafted image, the one I worked so hard to shape for others here, will be left to them anyway. The sterling reputation that I once struggled so greatly to maintain will be of little concern to anyone and to me. All the small and the large anxieties the soul sleep from me each night will be rendered powerless. The deep and towering mysteries of life about life and death that so consume my mind will finally be clear. These things will certainly be true on the day that I die. And yet for as much as will happen on that day, one more thing that will happen on the day I die, a few people who really know and truly love me will grieve deeply. They will feel a void they will feel cheated. They will not feel ready. They will feel as though a part of them died as well. And on that day, more than anything in the world, what they will want most is more time. I know this from those I love and grieve over. And so, knowing this, while I am still alive, I'll try to remember that my time with them is finite and fleeting and so very precious. And I will do my best not to waste a second of it. I'll try not to squander a priceless moment worrying about all the other things that will happen on the day I die. Friends, those other things have an insidious way of keeping you from living even as you live. Vying for your attention, competing for your affections. They rob you of the joy of this unrepeatable, uncontainable, ever evaporating now with those you love and want only to share it with you. Don't miss the chance to dance while you can. It's easy to waste so much daylight in the days before you die. So don't let your life be stolen every day by all that you've been led to believe that matters. Because on the day that you die, the fact is, much of it simply won't. Yes, you and I will die one day. So before that day comes, may we learn to live. Perfect timing for a cell phone ring. I just one final question for you. One final question, and that is this. Are you ready? Are you ready is the final question. Are you ready for the moment, for the day, for the minute, for the second when your time runs out? Because it's coming, and you've got less time now than you ever have. If you do not know Jesus, if you haven't been living the life in Jesus that he's called you to live, you can do something about that today. But I encourage you to do it now because you're running out of time. Whatever your need is, please come as together we stand and sing.